What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's episode, we chat with our good buddy, Todd Klein. Some of the stuff we talk about, surfing with sharks, guiding during the spawn, how professional surfing compares to professional fishing, and staying mentally sharp in difficult situations, especially on the water. We appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, hope you guys enjoy today's show. What's up, guys? We are back, and uh, we tried to do this without Rob, but we were unsuccessful, and I think that's a sign. Um, so I'm happy to have both Nick and Rob. What's going on, guys? What's happening? Rob, good to see you, man. Like Josh is saying, we uh, we had an epic fail. Uh, we ta- I talked a bunch of smack about you, and then the uh, quality <laughs> was so bad, it was like your, your ghost wasn't having it. It's so unfortunate because I wanted to hear the smack talk. Yeah, it was it was mediocre. You know, I, yeah. I can talk some smack, and I don't know. I could have done better, so I'll do better now. The problem, <laughs> is, the problem is you couldn't hear it if you wanted to after <laughs> yeah, Nick and I's recording that we did. So uh, anyways, um, so, so all that you know, crap, basically, to, to say that Nick and I tried to record a, a podcast episode while Rob was on the water. We interviewed our buddy Todd Klein, and Todd's interview sounds good, so we've got that saved up. So uh We've got Todd Klein's interview, but um, you know, we Nick and I tried to record like a twenty-minute intro and uh, didn't didn't quite work out. So hopefully, we didn't burn up everything good we had to say this week. But um, what uh, what what are you guys up to? We're we're in a very difficult time right now for our country, and you know, everyone personally, we're dealing with a bunch of crap right now. But what what have you guys been doing yourselves? You know, man, I uh, um. I've actually been working on some landscaping around our house. That's kind of a nice way to get outdoors. We've been having such, man, such killer weather around here. I think today's high was only like 71 or something. So uh, we, we actually socially distanced at a nursery and bought a bunch of plants and trees and uh, been getting some of the pent-up frustration around here out, digging holes and throwing things in the ground. So it's actually been pretty good. Way to be productive, good. dude. Yeah. Yeah. I've been very unproductive. Well, I've... Uh, I spent the morning mountain biking, and then this afternoon, my wife and I went on a walk, and that's about it. Went to the grocery store today, actually. Saw some unique outfits there. That was Oh, dude, yeah. thank you for bringing that up. I have a good one for that. So tell me, what did you see at the apocalyptic shopping experience today? It's I don't know. I shouldn't bag on it, but it's just a trip. I mean, you, just the mask, the, the safety glasses, the... Um, like someone's gonna spit in his eye or something. I don't know. Crazy. How, how old was the guy that was wearing the glasses? You know, that's what's funny. A lot of the people with all this protective gear, they're younger, and but so I don't know. I know it's a serious deal, and we shouldn't laugh about it. But how about the folks? Have you seen on um, like on Instagram the photos of the folks with the plastic bags on their heads? Have you seen that one? Oh yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw I saw one on Barstool, dude. And, and this yeah. is yeah, this is a real deal. This is nothing to laugh about, but that is like, that's pretty crazy to be wearing a plastic bag on your head, man. Or how about the anti-scratch thing they put on dogs? I saw someone had one upside down. On a cone. Head. A cone, yes. <laughs> Dude, okay, so one hundred percent on the same wavelength. This is this is a serious matter. Um, obviously, to everyone on the front lines, the nurses, doctors people at the grocery store, all the people that are are continuing to just make our life function and and heal us, utmost respect for them. But man, so we were at the grocery store yesterday and there was this lady and dude, she was wearing a rain jacket, like a (laughs) yellow rain jacket. 
and then she had like dishwashing gloves on, like long, no, like dishwashing gloves. Dude, and then she had a mask, which you know, okay, like that's legit. Although you kind of wonder, maybe you should pay those forward to like people in hospitals or something. I don't know. But the mask was under her nose. <laughs> What the heck? I, I give that lady major props for just having the guts to go out wearing that. Like I, I'm I'm so bad about getting embarrassed easily that like I feel so I've been getting gassed with gloves, little you know uh, whatever plastic gloves. And I'm uh-huh. so embarrassed to be getting gassed with gloves, even though I'm like trying to do the right thing and be safe for my family. I can't imagine going to the store with with that outfit. And the- Dude, like, it's just like the mask doesn't work if it's under your nose, dude. Like, you're breathing through oh, your no. nose. Coronavirus <laughs> is going right up your nostril. <laughs> Maybe and that's just like, your daily outfit. Oh. I feel like you could go down a rabbit hole with that, too. Because what about, like, your groceries when you bring them home? So Yeah, how, how, do, you, how, do, you how do you sterilize all the boxes and everything, you're right? You're totally right, dude. You're, I'm setting them on the counter, and, and I thought about that. Those plastic bags, dude, are everywhere. Dude. It's everywhere. It's airborne for like three hours, not to mention it lives on stainless steel for three days. Like it's hard to even feel optimistic that you could, you could prevent. I don't know. Like it's, it's a rabbit hole. You don't need to go down, but it's just, it's confusing, I guess, to put it mildly. Yep. Yep. And we'll leave it at that. We're, we're confused by the whole thing and um, hopeful things take a turn for the, for the better soon. But in the meantime, uh, we'll talk about a little bit of fishing because apparently, yeah, that was our, our synopsis on what we've been doing lately. We've been dealing with that. I got one trip into the lake by myself the other day, and uh, I was at Roosevelt, and that's, you know, so they closed down a couple of our boat ramps, not all of them. They closed a couple of the boat ramps down on lakes that are a little bit more crowded that that get, you know, some partying and people that are in close proximity to each other. Roosevelt's not one of those lakes. It's a little harder to get to and a little farther to drive to from Phoenix, and you have a lot more options. They're like, eight different boat ramps on the lake or maybe six. So you've got, you've got choices and people are spread around. And, um, I, man, I had a nice little morning on the lake by myself. I had a little bit of, you know, I had, it was a weird kind of feeling I had just being out there knowing everything that's going on and knowing my wife's cooped up at home with the kids. So I, I had to do some videos and photos and I got it done and I headed home at like noon. I didn't stay long, but man, it was a nice, it was a nice break. Yeah, man. I, I can only imagine. I, it's been too long for me getting to the lake. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to most when this is over. You're like, dude, I, I was about to get the the uh, green light to go, and then this happened. I'm, I'm never going to get to get, get to go now. <laughs> Exercise the patient. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, not- I, I fished a little bit this last week. Did a couple guide trips, actually. Uh, obviously, it's awkward not shaking people's hands when they show up, and just kind of, you know, being, trying to be separate on a boat, but, um, fishing has been pretty good. Fish are starting to bite a little bit and pretty happy about that. So I had, uh, on Wednesday, I had a weird trip. I shouldn't say weird. It was just, it was pretty funny how it, it, it all come together. Um, when the guy figured out my last name, um, he goes, I know one other Vanderkoy. He was an auto body tech, uh, teacher at the vocational school in wilmer minnesota i said well that was my dad and what? He goes, well, yeah and he goes well he was my teacher and i used to work for him on the weekends at a shop at home so That's isn't that crazy. wild easy what, what are we a 1500 miles away from there at least in 40 plus years, years 40 plus years 
Wow. Did he have stories about like how horrible the teacher your dad was? How different? <laughs> no. He get flashbacks when he was on the water with you and trying to teach him how to bass fish. Right. right exactly. <laughs> but it was awesome, dude. They were they were so much fun to be with, and uh, I mean, I would have enjoyed the trip with them if we didn't even have that connection. But having that connection was crazy. And I was born in the town that the lady had grown had grown up in so pretty pretty small world so dude i thought you were gonna say the only other vanderco i know is on this bush league podcast that rambles on about (laughs) and doesn't know how to use their technical equipment so that took a turn for the better my selfish (laughs) side was hoping that too dude i'm always waiting for list to hear about listeners around the country and there's all seven of them sprinkled out amongst the 330 million United States residents. We're bound to bump into one of them. Yeah, if they listen, they're going with a different guide service, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Hey, Rob, I sent Nick this uh, screenshot the other day. We've we, In this past month, we've had how many listeners from Australia, dude? Dude, got- down for a big deal. We've got like 114 seriously out of yeah. australia man so thank you guys if you're hearing yeah this. If, that is if, cool. if those analytics are actually correct they could put whatever <laughs> on there and we wouldn't know but shout out to them yeah it's probably like those fake um social media influencers who have like forty thousand followers and then you look at it and you're like mm, yeah pretty sure you don't speak farsi bro even though twenty nine thousand <laughs> followers are all speaking farsi and you're from alabama <laughs> that's funny like our analytics <laughs> Well, I'll tell you guys one thing that I was looking out for when I was on the water the other day, and we've all been, you know, we've all lived in this in this state for a long time. We've all fished similar circumstances where the water comes up a bunch, and then you have, like, the spring warming things up, and the snakes come out this time of year. Yep. And, the, I mean, we're talking rattlesnakes here in Arizona, and, you know, what, I guess my my guess of what happens is these these snakes get a little bit uprooted they're a little bit more you know active this time of year with things warming up and the water coming up just maybe uproots them from where they were trying to hang out and uh i've seen in the past a lot of rattlesnakes swimming across the lake um in the spring and summer of high water years in arizona so i was out there by myself the other day and the water has come up a lot and i was looking Every time I heard the boat brush up against a tree or a bush or something, I was looking back. But it made me think about uh, last week at Lake Fork, and I'll have to show you guys this picture. It's a little gra- or this video. It's a little grainy, but I was fishing on Fork, and my boat official, which these boat officials are very serious. They're trained to take things like super serious. They they're not supposed to like be conversing with you or doing anything except their job during the day on the water and i look uh-huh. back at my guy you know on I, I don't even remember which day it was but he's got his cell phone out and he's just shooting a video and i'm like dude i've never seen that i'm like are you okay man what what are you doing and he's like look at look at this thing and i look up and there's about a five foot water moccasin huh. uh slowly like slithering up this bird feeder or like a birdhouse, and it was going into the birdhouse, and it was going to sit there and wait in the birdhouse for a bird to come in and then eat Oh, my goodness. Or or I guess he was looking for something to be in there, but he he was going up in, like, you could tell he was going up and curling up in the birdhouse. That's a trip. That's a smart snake, too, man. He knows knows where to go and let him come to him. That's what I thought, dude. And so, like, I saw that, and then a little bit later, I find a beaver dam. And uh, 
beaver dams are like money for bass fishing I'm, I'm sure any listener that's ever fished a beaver dam and caught a big one off a beaver dam would would agree but beaver dams are money because the beavers they build obviously this big structure that they're going to do whatever they do in but um a lot of times those beaver dams have like little ditches and channels dug out down below um they're just money for big fish so i find a beaver dam in the back of this creek and i am pumped up i'm like oh i'm gonna catch them and i see same thing just the biggest nastiest water moccasin posted up on the beaver dam and i'm like flipping deep down into the beaver dam and i know if i hook one like it's not gonna come out of there easily and i'm gonna have to like try to go in there and get the fish out so i'm feeling weird about it and i don't end up <laughs> catching anything out of it but i go back the next day and the next day, I'm not kidding you guys, there are probably 20 water moccasins on this beaver dam. It was like, Holy you, know, cow. you know how you, like, you've, I don't know, have you guys ever seen the pictures where they all get together and, like, wrap up around each other? And, like, huddle for warmth? And- yeah. Did you just leave it then? Dude, I made, like, 50-foot pitches instead of the 10-foot <laughs> pitch I was making the day before. I was making like 50 foot pitches to the edge. And if I would have hung one, there's no chance I would have gone in there. But dude, I'm, my skin's crawling just thinking about it. So my buddy, my buddy Troy was at Roosevelt on Wednesday and actually got chased out of a cove by a a rattlesnake. He saw one. See, there you go. I'm not not unjustified. No, not at all. And last year he got chased by one too. He's the guy that always sees him on a mountain bike too. So he's just bad luck when it comes to rattlesnakes. Maybe I'm just a dummy and I'm not paying close enough attention, dude. Like maybe I've been chased and didn't even know it. So this thing yeah. swam after him. Well, it just yeah, I was coming at the boat. Like I mean, they're looking for dry land, dude. They just the want to out of water, right? That's their whole. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're just moved. I mean, they've got like you said, they've gotten uprooted from their where they're living, and uh, yeah, they just want to get on dry land. So nasty. Yeah, only one time that happened to be at Canyon, and I could actually hear like the sound of, and I it took me like a few seconds to realize like what is that, and then I turned around. And sure enough, man, it was on top of the water towards me, and I put the towing motor on a hundred, opposite direction, and idled and drove away. I was like, no, nah, don't need to be here. I'm out. Was he going faster than your trolling motor? Um, not, but when you. Casey realized he's like 40 feet away or 50 feet away. It's like, I'm getting the heck out of here. And have you guys heard stories of like night fishing about that? Like that's one of my biggest, what back in my glory years of night fishing was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to like have one get in the boat and not know it and then sit down or get bit by it. Oof. Yeah. I've heard yeah, stories and seen pictures, dude, but never firsthand, thankfully. Yeah. I can't imagine that would freak me out. I'd probably be done night fishing for sure. There's do I, and you know my knucklehead that I used to go night fishing by myself all the time. That would have been enough for me to swim. I would have jumped in the lake and been done if it was in the boat. You'd have better odds, dude. It's that is jacked up. That is jacked up. So that's hey, just an FYI. If you're on the water, whether you're down south dealing with water moccasins or out west dealing with rattlesnakes, now is the time where it's it's very important to to really be looking out for that. It's it's actually not a not a joke and, and not that funny. Right, right. Wear your snake boots. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's just, and I'm just not tough. Like, there's, I'm sure there's some dudes la- sitting there laughing, shaking their heads, saying these guys are, or Josh, anyways, is a serious wuss. But uh, I, if if anybody has a snake crawling in their boat and they're acting tough, let's bring them. They're pretty drunk. They're, yeah, pretty they're pretty drunk. drunk. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, speaking of things that bite, 
uh, talking to Todd, that's pretty cool. His background in surfing, um, man, whenever I think of surfing, I just think again, that I'm going to get bit by a shark. So it was kind of cool, um, talking to him about that. And those guys are brave, man. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't think I'm cut out for that. Yeah. They just, you know, they just know that's part of the deal. That's one of the risks they take. And, uh, Todd, Todd gives, we're not going to spoil the story, but Todd goes into a story of watching a competitor in one of the events he was at get attacked by a shark. <laughs> so, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But I think you guys will enjoy the interview. Todd's a super, super cool guy, man. Did, uh, did you enjoy talking to him, Nick? I did, yeah, and you know we we've got a little co-angler love going with that, and uh, obviously he's one of like the most successful co-anglers um, around. So we don't have that in common because I was one of the least successful co-anglers. No, dude, I think your your numbers were pretty good. I mean, hey, you didn't fish that many events, but maybe uh, what eight, nine, ten of ten major events, and uh, you you had a few really really good ones, dude. Yeah, I think thanks, and uh, but what's cool about Todd is uh. Um, I just, I appreciated the, his perspective on it was so similar to mine where it's just an opportunity to learn, right? Like it accelerates that learning curve so much when you can watch how people break down different bodies of water and how they approach things. And, um, there's probably a little bit of humility in that thinking that you could start there versus just, "Ah, I've got a boat, screw it. I'm just going to fish from the front and figure it out. I really, that's one of the things I admire most about him. And now obviously he's had the success he's had it. Uh, that was cool. It was a great interview, man. I enjoyed it. Right on. And, uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, we'll roll it over to that. And, uh, sorry, Rob, you didn't get to chat with him, dude, but, uh, yeah, bummed. Wish I could have. I, I was trying to be really nice and, and give you some compliments. Cause I, I think we both bagged on you a little bit before we went to the interview in the <laughs> deal that got cut out. And then I said, Hey, Rob, ask the best questions, man. It's too bad. We didn't have him for this interview, but we got through it. Cause Todd was such a good speaker. Uh, but anyways, I uh, hope you guys enjoy, and uh, here's Todd Klein. All right, Todd Klein, what's going on, man? How are you today? Good morning. Uh, I am good, you know, doing the best I can with the, the whole quarantine deal, but uh, luckily the sun's out here. They had forecasted rain uh, for today, but just like always, the weatherman's wrong, but this time in the, uh, to a benefit to us. Man, this is the first summer ever that I've actually looked forward to. Like Nick and I live right in the middle of Phoenix and I think I, I, I'm ready for a hundred degrees. I, how about, what do you think, Nick? I mean, are you with me? Dude, as long as that kills the damn virus and get <laughs> back outside our house, I'll take a thousand degrees. I'll take the surface of the sun if that's what it takes. That's that's what I'm thinking too, man. It's, it's Dude. crazy to be thinking that way, but that's Cabin the best logic I've got. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I don't care if it's hail, sneak, uh, hail, sleet, rain, Snow, I don't care. Just uh, let, let let us back out. Let us launch the boats. No man. doubt. And Todd, uh, are you closer to L.A. or San Diego, man? Shoot, I'm actually right in the middle, uh, Josh. I'm I'm probably about, you know, 40. Actually, a little closer to San Diego, about 45 minutes to San Diego, about one hour to Los Angeles. Okay, right on, right on. It's pretty nice climate there pretty much all year long. It's a beautiful spot. Yeah, they, spot. they, cl- they claim San Clemente is the best climate in the uh, in the world, but I don't know if that's true or just a uh, real estate agent put that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that you probably put that on your uh, on your guide website, right? No, but as we're talking, that might be good to put on the brochure. No, okay, yeah, put it on the notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, that's cool. We got a lot of stuff that we want to talk to you about, and we introduced you uh, in the intro, so uh, the listeners at this point, if they didn't already know you, they uh, they know who you are and what you've done. Um, but before we before we get too deep into the fishing stuff, um, 
I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your first professional career as a, as a surfer. And I, I know you probably do this in pretty much every interview, but, um, I just think it's, it's really interesting, dude, uh, how it, they're surfing and fishing are both, you know, one man sports They're not team sports they're individual sports. And, uh, it seems like in both sports, you've really got to kind of hustle to be able to make a career out of it. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, for me, uh, it's, you know, surfing started out as, as an escape for me, just like fishing. I started fishing before I started surfing. I grew up in South Florida and, um, as a kid, you know, I, I lived inland. So pretty much a mile in any direction, you could find a canal, a pond or something and, and, and catch fish. So, I, you know, immediately had a passion for fishing. That was my escape from the real world. And then um, as I got a little older, my brother kind of got into surfing and some of my friends in the neighborhood and I gave it a whirl and, and uh, took a real liking to that and actually had a little bit of success uh, doing it. So I, I jumped in head first and uh, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. But bo- both, of, you know, both surfing and fishing were, were an escape for me and still are. Yeah. It's cool that your escape is how you've made a living for your entire life, dude. Like that's extremely impressive. And uh, it says a lot about your hustle uh, and, and your devotion to the sports, but also you're, you're a lucky guy to do it, man. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I, you know, I, I count my blessings every day because uh, you know, you always, people always say, if you can, if you can make a career with something you're passionate about, then regardless of the amount of money, you, you're a success, you know? And so you know, I've, uh, you know, I, I really take that to heart and uh, cherish every day. But going back to kind of what you had mentioned about the hustle thing, um, there's a lot of parallels between fishing and surfing. And, and you know, I've, I've worked on the marketing side, too. I was at Quicksilver for, for 16 years and worked my way up to a, a marketing director. So I've sat on both sides of that table, whether I was negotiating for a contract or, or uh, on the other side, writing the check. Um, so I know, you know, what, what the companies, you know, the whole ROI return on investment and, and that type of thing. Um, but when it all boils down in, in my eyes, um, ambassadors, athletes, whatever it may be, it's a bit like art and you know, what you might hang on your wall, Josh, you couldn't pay me to hang on my wall and vice versa. Sure. And, and so, you know, regardless if you're the best angler in the world and, and winning all the tournaments, um, if you can't articulate yourself, you're not a people person, um, or maybe even for that matter, you just don't fit the brand that, you know, you're trying to pursue, then, you know, n- nothing against yourself, you know, that, that angler or that, that individual trying to pursue that brand, just the stars have to align, you know, and it has to be that perfect storm. You have to be passionate about that product and, and you have to also fit that brand. Um, so kind of, you know, my thoughts are, is I always try and align myself with, with brands that I am passionate about that I use on the daily. And that, you know, when I'm having conversation with clients, you know, while I'm guiding or if it's during a tournament, it's products that I, I honestly like to, to use. And, um, that formula seemed to seem to work for me. Makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, it's, it obviously is for you. Um, hundred percent. Now compare, compare like surfing and fishing. How many guys, or, you know, do you think there are more guys making a living off of fishing or surfing? Nowadays, I'm going to say fishing. Interesting. Um, yeah, luckily, when I was uh, working at Quicksilver, I was there kind of during the, you know, I'll use the term gravy days or heydays. And um, there was a lot of money in that industry, um, you know, especially in the apparel side of things. And I was at Quicksilver, which, you know, they were the brand, you know. Um, but now, before this whole deal even hit, obviously, you know, a lot of things are going to change when we get on the other side of this. But um, 
the surf industry used to be so sought after that people were really brand loyal and I don't, nobody can pinpoint exactly what it was, but I think it was a combination of many things. A lot of it had to do with the internet um, and online sales and that, you know, people not going into the mom and pop shops as much um, and those mom and pop shops not adapting and, and going to e-com. Um, but also, you know, kids just aren't as brand loyal back in the day when you could go to some of these, you know, off brand uh, mall shops that have their private labels. The private labels were horrible. And now those private labels are legit. They're, they're making really good product and it's half the price of what those big brands are. And we see a lot of that in the fishing industry too. So that's where, you know, marketing has to be on point and it has to, you know, you're selling ice to Eskimos at the end of the day. And so why is, why is your ice better than, than the ice that somebody else has? You know, that, that's what it all kind of boils down to. Yeah. That's interesting. And, uh, and you think like as a whole fishing has, I guess that we still have our local tackle shops and stuff like that, but you think fishing has adapted fairly well to the new landscape of everyone buying stuff online and, and that, uh, no, well, I think, um, I think yes, you know, to some extent they've, they've adapted, but I think the other thing is too, um, you know, again, I try to draw the parallels, but not always can you get it perfect with, with fishing and surfing. But, um, I think that, you know, for the most part, um, again, you're looking at, you see a lot of, you know, and I won't use names in particular, but you see people try to knock off a Senko. You see people try to knock off a swim bait or, you know, and the packaging, everything might look great. The bait might look great. You throw it in the water. It's just not the same. And when it comes down to it, whether you're trying, whether you're trying to put clients on, uh, you know, on fish or you're trying to make a living in a tournament, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut, you know, the corner for a dollar and risk not having the results that I want. You know what I mean? So I think at the end of the day, you know, there's the flip side too, but in no disrespect, but if, if you've only, you know, I put myself in the shoes of a kid that's riding his bike still, you know, one mile in any direction in Florida and needs one bag of worms or one, one bag of hooks and he's fishing at the end of the day, he's going to catch fish and he's going to have fun. So there is a market for all of the above that I just mentioned. But I just think that still those top brands that are the innovators of a lot of those products are still the ones that lead the charge for the most part. You know, there, there's, there is the flip side, too, where, you know, once a patent wears off on a particular bait and it kind of opens up the gates, people are able to knock it off and make it work. So I don't know. I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. But but I just, uh, you know, for me, I'm still pretty new to the fish world where, where my whole life and still is around surfing. So I, I, I'm a little bit more intimate as far as understanding it all. But, uh, you know, I definitely enjoy learning every day, whether it's on the water or just watching, you know, watching the industry as it moves for fishing. Yeah. Gotcha. So, dude, in your surfing career, how how are you not afraid that on the other side of one of those tunnels you're riding through, there's not just the mouth of like a giant shark just like waiting for you? This one's lining up perfect, like. Don't even have to swim. He's coming right to my mouth. Have you seen sharks? You got any crazy oh. stories? Very cool. Yeah, I mean, growing up, growing up in Florida, um, I mean, sharks in Florida are like bluegill and Havasu. You know, dude, they're, seriously, right? They're, they're kind of everywhere. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, for the most part, things have. It seems like it's changed a bit since I've been gone from there. Places like New Smyrna, um, you know, they're smaller. 
I think they're still bull sharks, but they're small, like four footers. And, and okay. they they just come in and kind of nip you. But when they nip you, you're still getting bit and you're still getting stitches. Um, Have so, you been nipped? Or you haven't? I'm sorry if, if I no, missed that. No, yeah. No, 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 no. Luckily, no. But when I started, you know, when I was, I, you know, when I was doing a lot more commentary for uh, the World Surf League and I was kind of chasing the summer, if you will, and spent a lot of time in, in places like South Africa and Australia. Dude, you're uh, on the menu in those places, right? Like you are slow on the food chain. It's, uh, it, you know, it's definitely on your mind a bit, especially at certain areas. You know, you're, you're going out, you know, in, in Western Australia and there's a, um, there's a shrine on the beach for a dude, you know, that got taken out. Recently. Um, <laughs> yeah you know so it, it's definitely on the mind and and you know you asked about you know any particular stories for me the heaviest thing i've ever encountered was you know aside from seeing them you know when you're in the lineup or whatever but when i was in south africa and i was calling a surf competition live and one of the surfers in the lineup was attacked and you're calling me, yeah so i wasn't calling the live action at the moment but when it happened live you know, the, the entire broadcast did not know what to do. We went on a you know quick commercial break. They and I was operating what they called like the desk. Um, so throughout the throughout the day, they would throw it down to me. We would go over, go over different analytics, maybe have guests on, do interviews, um, that type of thing. Kind of like TNT when they throw it to the studio type thing. Uh-huh. And they said, you know, hey, get in your positions, guys. We're coming to you. You're going to have to cover for the next hour and uh-huh. continue to and continue to reiterate that you know, here's the situation. We'll be showing you footage. Um, but just keep reiterating, you know, that Mick Fanning is okay. Um, you know, he was not injured. Um, and just, you know, you know, continue to talk about, you know, how well the water patrol did to, you know, to come And It was, I mean, dude, and you knew the longer you were on, the more and more eyeballs, you know, were on that screen. Oh yeah. No kidding. They're popping. And, I mean, cause it, it, you know, it was major. I mean, it was on every news channel just about. And, Todd, was that the video on the internet circulating for a little while where the dude's like fighting? Yeah. The dark? yeah no I'm, way, yeah. man. Yeah. We'll yeah. That clip. I, I've seen it through social media and stuff. Yeah. He's like legit fighting it off. Right. Yeah. So Mick, Mick's a pretty good friend of mine and, and to be on the beach and to watch what was happening. And I knew immediately, you know, just from my background, you know, growing up in Florida, as well as a, a fisherman, you knew it was a shark, you know what I mean? And, and you knew where we were at and they don't come up and nip a finger off when they commit. It's usually they're going for the shot. And so he went over the wave and when he went over the wave, because he already got knocked off his board, and when the wave uh, came over and we couldn't see him anymore, I thought to myself, you know, on the other is, side, on the other side's going to be all red, and uh-huh. you know, I don't even like. It was just you, you were help. You had this helpless feeling where you wanted to help the dude, but you were even if you wanted to swim out and help him, you were so far away. It was ridiculous, you know. So for me, that was probably one of the craziest, craziest scenarios with sharks. And on a positive side, I actually got to go in the uh in the cage down there in south africa and oh. dive with them which was uh you know pretty pretty unbelievable man i could only imagine well in africa is like the mecca for big white sharks right i mean that's where all those the footage of them shooting those little seals into the air like 20 well that that particular that particular spot where they shoot all that for national geographic is where you go in the cages it's it's Muscle Bay. Um, I forget what that what that little island is, but it's Muscle Bay. And, and uh-huh. the the crazy part is, is like I don't know, six hundred yards inside of that island, guys are surfing, and I'm just like, are you out of your mind? You like, are. What what is the point? Yeah, you like. <laughs> 
facing it, the it brush would be at like, that it point. would be like you know the ultimate flip bite going on in okeechobee but it's in the middle of like the alligator infested pond and you only can wait and yeah you're waiting you're yeah. wearing waiters <laughs> I, I, i'm good guys i don't need to pitch here that's yeah. crazy dude uh, did yeah. you have any hesitation yeah. going in that cage where you're like it's it's safe no does it. i mean you know there's 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 that there's that weird just what if all of a sudden the cable snap scenario or something random like that but i've seen that movie it was a terrible yeah. movie you guys see that it was not a good movie dude. i wouldn't watch that heck no bad movie or not i don't need that on me <laughs> Yeah, but you know, again, it was you know, it was uh, with good friends that I grew up with, and you know, it's memories, and I've got crazy GoPro footage and stuff of it, and and uh, yeah, it was pretty yeah. unbelievable. So, Todd, have you done some surfing where they like tow you in on those massive? No, no. Th- that's another one for me that I was like, I just I couldn't imagine. What happens if those dudes fall off? Do they just get like crushed? Like, do they just the, get mangled? The, the craziest part is the majority of those guys are some of the most, especially for like. Um, they practice a lot of breathing and, and um, a, few, a few of those dudes, no exaggeration can hold their breath for like four minutes plus. They're like didgeridoo players on the side. That's like, a no, different sport just, though, right? I mean, that's not like a you or a Kelly Slater. These are totally different types well, of surfers. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly's, Kelly's the, the ultimate weirdo where he does everything and can do it, you know, better than anybody wow. for the most part. But, but yeah, to your point, Josh, there, you know, it's, it's usually a, a little bit of a, a different group of surfers. Some some of them, you know, there are guys that when it comes down to actually surfing, paddling in, um, you know, some of the guys, you know, that are actually in that world to some extent uh, can barely even surf. They're just crazy. They can hold on to a rope and, <laughs> and, and let go. And stand up on a board. <laughs> but but the guys the guys that are actually doing it, making a living at it, and and the ones that are you know the ones that like are winning those big contests. I mean, they're just freaks. You know, watermen. Like, there's not an ounce of fat on the dudes, and all they do is train for those moments. And like, yeah, it's. It, it, I, I mean, I, it blows me away when they go down. You think literally their arms are going to get ripped off. Or that's something. what I'm saying. Like, What's the force in that they must have been dropped on their heads as kids to I, think. That's a, I don't know. I, I don't know, man, but it's, uh, you know, at one point back in the day when big wave surfing was kind of just coming around some of my Japanese sponsors were like, you know, Hey, what if we give you, you know, big bonus and, and you catch, you catch, you catch, you catch big Hawaii wave. And I'm like, uh, I'm pretty good actually. You know, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Bigger not, I'm good. Yeah. I was never, you know, or sushi. I'm not gonna lie, I was never, you know, in, in the surf world, I was never a, a big wave guy. I rode big enough waves to, you know, to, to do what I needed to do, but um, yeah, it just wasn't my thing, you know. And, and there's the flip side where there's some big wave guys that you know couldn't do a turn for the most part, you know. So, and and maybe that exists in a lot of different you know hobbies and stuff because fishing is very much the same, right? Like take your take your tournament angler versus maybe guide versus maybe different type of species. There's there's a lot of different ways to skin the proverbial cat, right? And it doesn't mean that you'll be universally good at all of them if you're good at one of them you know yeah no for sure i mean you know we we got the guys that are 100 percent swim bait guys and and right. I, it's like surfing you know i respect every aspect of it whether you're a long border short border guy that you know whatever it is you're a tube rider whatever it is that you do that's awesome you know what i mean no no disrespect whatever it is just maybe it's not what i do but um you know i get clients all the time going hey what about coming out there and catching one of them double digit bass and throwing some of them big giant swim baits and I always manage expectations pretty quick on those calls, you know, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a different, different deal. And and the guys, you know, that are at Josh's level and the ones that are super diverse and can kind of do it all, 
those are the ones that you know you see a lot of times get, getting up in that top ten. You know, but you're right. not you're not going to see a, a lot of those guys you know out catching a ten pounder on a swim bait either. It's a different skill set, just like you said, man. You know, and and a lot of those guys couldn't couldn't guide for a living either. They'd go nuts, right? I mean, uh, oh yeah, dude. We talked about this earlier, Todd. But uh, what what did you say about uh, how, how it made you a more patient uh, or, or uh, it, it in, improved your patience as an angler? Yeah, so I've I've been guiding I think now, Josh, uh, going on my fourth year, and you know when I kicked it off, my the first thing for me was you know because I love sharing my passion, you know back in the day we used to do surf camps and I used to love helping kids learn to surf and and now it's fishing and I was wondering shoot can I be on a boat for eight hours and not fish you know because for the most part I do not fish if fishing slow I might pick up something and try it just to find out if there's a bite and then immediately switch my clients over. That's but, great, dude. That's that's the way to do it. The only way, in my opinion. Yeah, but going going back to kind of what you were saying, it's like, you know, I find myself, you know, I, I was a co-angler for, for, you know, many years with the FLW, and I think that helped prepare me <laughs> to, be a, uh, to be a guide because um, I find myself having those same conversations inside my head that I used to as a co-angler now Nick's as a guide. Nick's shaking his head. He knows exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Dude, it's cool. I mean, I was kind of research and learning about you seeing all the success you had as a co-angler you were speaking to my heart man i think that's uh um at some point in this interview we can kind of dig into that and unpackage that a little bit but man there, there are a few moments for me too you almost feel like i don't know if you're a psychologist or what but you're watching somebody up there just like losing it or whatever and you're just sitting back there like well I'm... yeah no i, I had yeah uh, shoot i said i wasn't gonna get specific but <laughs> yeah, i had it I had a I had a trip recently with a dude and uh you know it was early spawn it was like you could find a couple here and there and I came across one and I'm like oh you want to catch this one and yeah for for sure yeah okay so I I fire the fish up and I'm like okay now now just pitch it right in there and you know twitch it get it going you know so you're trying to coach through this thing and when you know when you say pitch it in you, you need to be specific hey cast past it work it into yeah. it slowly don't clunk right on its head well you learn, you know, you have to say that after the fact because you thought maybe the dude might already know. Because a lot of the, a lot of clients you get, you know, they allude to, you know, oh, I do this all the time, and so it, it becomes a balance of understanding exactly where that the level is with that client. But you know, th this particular bedfish, it's like, okay, twitch it, twitch it, and the thing completely engulfs it, and you're waiting for the thing to swing, and you're like, swing! By that time, it's already spit it out, right? You know. Oh, yeah. Next thing you know, it's about an hour has passed, you an know, hour. <laughs> but, uh, how many times no, did the fish bite the bait in that hour? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you know, the line's gone sideways and you know, at one point I'm like, Hey, you know, do me a favor here, try these glasses on. And he puts yours on. He's like, Oh my gosh, he's right there. And I'm like, you haven't seen him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a problem for sure. It's dude. I, you know what? I love and hate guiding bed fishing because like, it, yeah. it, th those those moments are very frustrating but the trips yeah. are never like boring right like you and i've even had guide trips where you do a half day you fish for four hours and you bed fish the whole time and they only catch three or four fish because everyone yeah. took but it was a very like the, the it just flows flies by and, and, then, and they're yeah. happy afterwards yeah no i i love i love this time of year because you always have have that as a fallback you mm -hmm. know what i mean if if just fishing as a whole is tough that day another time josh that's you know super challenging is a lot of the lakes down in san diego with a lot of shad you get the busters and you might have smashed them the day before and you go back and you're doing everything the same same bait what and they just will not touch it 
and you look at your client and you go, I know you're going to say I'm crazy right now, but we are leaving these fish. And there's hundreds of no them all kidding, around the boat. No kidding, man. They're that yeah. smart. Why? Why? Yeah, what do you, why do you think everywhere. that is? Why is that, dude? Why won't they touch Cause, it? Because they're eating a lot of times, whether, you know, a lot of times it's um, silver sides and they're like one inch. Okay. They're like one inch in length. And, and they're so keyed in on that small bait that, you know, the day before you had something that they would commit to. And this day they just won't, you know, and you, you leave them, you go around the corner and you end up smashing fish and they're like, wow, I would have never done that, you know, and you just, you have to make, it's like a tournament too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they're there sometimes you can't get them to eat. You've tried all different things, but you feel like, you know what? It's that one moment you make that decision, you go around the corner and you got, you, you smash them, you know what I mean? And so I've just, then have you had feel great. Do- yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, well, you're like, yeah, that's why they hired me. You know? And <laughs> you tell but, them that uh, too, right? No, no, no. right. <laughs> but but, appreciated their. <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just a lot of those situations throughout the day, whether it's you know casting or you know you know you, you've mentioned you know hey as soon as you hook a fish, keep your rod tip down so they don't jump because they will jump and a lot of times they'll shake the hook and you know they're like net and you and you look over and the guy's got his hands over his head. You no know, control when it's when your hands are over. Your hand. You're like you're like rod tip down and he goes from over his head to like a loop. And then down to the water, and like by that time the thing's three foot in the air, and the bait's out. And you're like, ah. and there's no slack in the line whatsoever, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but at the end of the day, you know, I mean, as challenging as it is, you know, all, any job is challenging. So, I, I, and and considering I'm out on the water and and doing something I love, I'm not complaining. It's just there's plenty of challenges. And at the end of the day, though, I love being able to, you know, teach guys. I get I get texts all the time, or or photos, or DMs, and you know, guy goes back to like uh, France and goes, you know, hey, that drop shot technique you showed me, you know, check this out. I got my personal best That's on my cool, local dude. pond, you know, and, and when you get stuff like that, it's like. Sure, we're making a living and we're making some money doing it, but that's that's way better than any money. You know, those guys are so psyched. It's such oh. a full feeling, you know, a fulfilling and rewarding feeling, man. And, and you know, I, there are trips where you you have the fish don't bite and the clients maybe had different yeah. expectations and they don't go great. But man, m- more often than not, you leave the lake just happy, man. You know, and I've had I've had some. I talked about one this fall on this podcast. It wasn't like an actual uh, guide trip. It was a like a, a trip I had donated to the Phoenix Junior Bassmasters, and I, I fished with a great kid, and he caught an absolute giant fish. And, uh, dude, his reaction was so unbelievable when he caught it. I posted it, and these guys have seen it. Uh, yeah. Dude, I was smiling ear to ear like that night. I would think about it and just be like, dude, that was awesome. You know? Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure I you've see. had times like that, too. I know Nick has as well. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, out of the gates when you when you get calls and some of the questions on the phone, uh, you always want because I was a prankster growing up, you know, I always wonder, like, is this one of my buddies right now putting me up? And so you're not giving your 100 percent in your response, but you're kind of like, you know, being a little hesitant. And then once you realize it's like that's why people call you, because what you think is maybe, you know, like not legit, like. They're learning, you know what I mean? And that's that's know. where it's like once you realize that, that's where there's this full appreciation for what you do to 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 help them and that's why they hire you. And it's just it's it's a cool thing to be a part of, you know. Yeah. yeah and some of these folks that have these questions are like in way smarter than than me. You know what I mean? Like like some oh, people yeah. ask me these questions and it's like they they are way, way more intelligent than I am. They just have never done this before and this is a new arena to them. Yeah, yeah. And and, and every once in a while, you know, you, even when you're on those trips, you know, you're, you're, 
even though you're not fishing, you're learning while you're on that water. You know what I mean? Because you saw how that fish reacted or you see what they're doing that day. And so, you know, I think that's why a lot of times, not just on their home lakes, but you see guides have a lot of success in the tournament side of things too, you know, because they, they learn so much. And, and that old saying, time on the water is priceless, you know? And so whether you got a rod in your hand or not, if you're on the water, you're learning, you know? Oh yeah. Now that you've gone to the pro side of the tournament deal, you're having success and yeah, the guiding is helping and the co-angling has to have helped, you know, I mean, dude, you've, oh, for sure. you've, the co- you've the drawn it up perfectly. Josh, the co-angling for me, the biggest thing and, and why I did a little longer one, I was, I was fortunate to have the You're success making I did. bank doing it, dude. Yeah. So, so the investment, you know, uh, the return on investment was pretty darn good, but the biggest thing and why I kept doing it one, it was cool. Cause you met a lot of, you know, you got to fish with some great anglers. You made a lot of new friends, but the biggest thing for me was to learn those bodies of water out West here. Cause you knew you were going to be doing tournaments. You know what I mean? So that's the best way to learn the water, you know, out of the gates, as opposed to just jumping straight to the front of the boat. I talk to friends all the time that go, dude, I should have done it longer from the back. Like you did, man, to, to learn the water, you know, that was always my approach to it too, Todd. I, uh, I didn't really ever make a jump to the front. I, I took a left turn and don't really fish competitively as often as I did, but from the back, man, you just, you get to see so much, right. And, and learn a lot. You get to see, the good and the bad of it, the the mistakes that some people make and how to adjust from that. I, I, it was just interesting how you can, two people can see the same thing differently and some people do it. And in my mind, I was like, damn dude, this is like a couple hundred bucks and it's not all, it's not really a guided trip, but at the same time, like this is the accelerated learning course. Like this is sure. You're going to get draws that suck. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you're going to get some guys who aren't, as big of a deal as they might think they are in those days turned out to be a little bit of a dud, but then dude, you draw someone who is a stick and you're like, all right, nice. Like that was, that was 10 X what I put into this, you know, financially what I got out of it. And man, it's, it was great for me too. Yeah. I think, I think another, another thing for me outside, and I touched on this a little bit about the guiding deal, but aside from learning the water, I think fishing from the back of the boat um, allows you to really, work through challenge times in your head because you have no choice. You know what I mean? Um, so you have to make the most of what's going on back there. And for me, you know, it, to summarize kind of that, it was like my first tournament I ever did was at Oroville. Uh, I was all excited and, you know, probably literally 25 minutes into the thing, I wanted to sit down. My hands were about to fall off. There was like snow patches mm. up on, you know, in the shade. Uh, there was ice on the ramp when people launched. It was like super sketchy, but but the bottom line was it was so cold. And I thought to myself, man, I'm going to sit down. This is ridiculous. I can't even feel, you know, I'm going to throw my rod in the water. Uh-huh. And and immediately I thought to myself, you know what? That's probably what 75% of the field's doing right now. Keep fishing and you're already beating them, you know? And so for yeah. me, that that's always kind of been my mindset. How can you just do a little bit better than what the majority's doing? And, you know, yeah. not... Nine times out of ten, it, that's if you do that, at least you're doing the best you can. Dude, you because it, it boils down to one bass so often, right? Whether it's yeah. whether you know not you're not going to win every tournament, but whether it's to get in the money or or maybe to get into the top ten or maybe maybe to win. And and yeah, if you can give yourself that little edge, uh, I I know you're friends with Kelly Slater, dude, and I, I don't mean to bring this back to surfing, but that yeah, reminds right. me of something, dude. I heard. Uh, on a different podcast, I heard Kelly Slater. He had one of the coolest quotes I've ever heard, dude, um, telling a story about, and, and you're going to have to excuse my lack of uh, surfing lingo here, dude, 
but um, I guess he was going head to head in the heat against a guy, and it was really yep. kind of neck and neck, dude. And it's very, at the very end of this thing, and they're both absolutely worn out, dude, fried. Maybe it was you he was against, but I doubt it. I doubt. It. <laughs> but uh, he said he said they're both completely fried, dude. And uh, he looks over at the guy, and the guy's just got nothing left in the tank to catch this next wave. And like whoever gets this wave is gonna get the last run or whatever and and win. I yeah. guess I don't know how it works, but. Um, they, they've got nothing left and Slater's got nothing left. And he looks at the guy and he thinks, dude, I'm not going to show, if I show this guy weakness, it's over. So the guy looks over at him. And as soon as the guy starts to look over, Slater like turns it up to 10. And he, even though he's got nothing left, he acts like he's got full tank of gas. And the guy sees that Slater's full of energy and he's, and he's going to catch the wave. And the guy just gives up, dude. And he catches yeah. the wave and wins. Yeah, he's got, he's done all, he, he, you know, he was the king. He was kind of like, I guess you hear, you know, things said about Jordan too, about getting into guys' headspace. And, and he would, before a heat, go over and like say something to a dude or. Really? Just shake, yeah, just shake a dude's hand before a heat. And, and, uh, yeah, there was even, there was even a time where, you know, I can't remember, but it, off, off the top of my head, but like a heat was coming to an end and he, it was probably like, 45 seconds left and he was paddling up to the guy to shake his hand to say hey you won and he went right around him and caught the wave and won the heat that's sick, dude. <laughs> oh that's man sick. that's cool well it just it kind of reminded me like what you're, what you're saying i love what you're saying man if you can just be a little more mentally strong and just do better than most of the guys in your head yeah if most of the guys are giving up like you said it's two o'clock it's been a brutal day they're yeah. going to start doing dumb stuff, you know, and kind of just throw in the towel. If you can keep your head in that game and, uh, dude, I've, I personally in a, on a, from a tournament standpoint, um, I've always heard people say like the last hour, last 30 minutes of your tournament day are the most important. And early in my career, I would never catch a crucial fish at the end of the day. And I always wondered like, man, how come I'm always hearing stories from the guys yeah. that, that yeah. are at the very top that are like, Dude, I, you know, I caught an eight pounder with three minutes to go, man. And it got me in and I'm like, how come that never happens to me? And I don't know. I just, I kept trying harder and harder to focus till the end and keep, you know, the same headspace to the end at that you have in the beginning of the day. And uh, dude, out of nowhere, I start catching, you know, th those breaks started happening, you know, uh, I, it, it, it's like a, a, the biggest bonus and it makes such a big difference. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day too, Josh, and and you could could agree or disagree, but I think to your point, a lot of guys, you know, under the pressure, you might still think you're fishing slow, but because you're so freaked out and feel you're so far behind, you're actually fishing way too fast. No kidding, I'm sure I'm and, guilty of that. Yeah, and you even in clients, you know what I mean? Like constant thing I'll tell clients, you know, on different techniques is technique. You cannot fish slow, but you can absolutely fish too fast. And there's a lot of times on those days, whether it be like a you know a, a shot, you know, it, you know, more towards the dead of winter, where it's just like almost stitch the thing. Um, where, where I've had situations, and I've told the guy like literally almost ten times, and you feel like this guy probably thinks he's super annoyed by me, but if I don't get him to break that, hold, he's not going to fish. And at the end of the day, it comes back to you. Once he catches that fish. Hopefully, in nine times out of ten, that you know that light goes. He goes, okay, I get it. I never fish the drop shot this slow. I always, you know, kind of bringing it back to what we were talking about with the tournament thing. I think 
guys might go out in the morning going, hey, you know what, the reaction bite, I have to fish the Nico, I have to fish it really slow. They might get a fish in the morning because they were doing it all right, and then they start getting a little quicker and a little quicker, and they're casting faster, and it's just like, next thing you know, it's like, still get a fish, don't get me wrong, but your strike zone and your, your you know odds of catching that fish have gone way down because you are fishing too fast, but you don't even know it, you know? And that's that's just my my opinion. And, and I think, um, you know, going back to the mind thing, you know, whether it's surfing, whether it's fishing, whether, you know, just about any sport you participate in, a lot of those sports are one between the ears and that doesn't come down to the ability, you know? I mean, obviously ability is a, is a major part of it, but I think it, you know, it, I think a lot of guys, I've seen it in surfing. There's a lot of guys that did better than the guys that were naturally talented that were mentally stronger. I think, dude, 90% of the game is half mental. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, dude, hey, that that's all awesome, Todd. And uh, uh, I don't know if our uh, cell signal's getting weak or whatever. So we're starting to break up a little bit in that last. couple minutes so and we're 35 minutes in with you so i guess uh we'd love to keep talking but we'll we'll call it and we'll try to hopefully get you on again at some point um hopefully under better circumstances than a quarantine but uh, <laughs> yeah no out here in the cave although i see you're coming from your own version of the cave so that's nice man you two hey. fellers alike yeah unfortunately I, I don't get to keep my boat here but uh every once in a while i tink- tinker around with some uh, some tackle and uh just reorganize, maybe move some things around, feel like you're organizing. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get through this, man. It's, uh, it's something we've never dealt with before and makes, makes us appreciate even more what we've got though. Amen. hundred percent, man. It's going to be a, a big celebration. Hopefully when this thing's over, man, it's going to be a, a slow big, rebuild, but... a big man hug coming your way next time. Yeah, I, say I know <laughs> if, if I'm allowed. Yeah, dude, who knows how long the six feet deal lasts, but if, yeah, I'll... if I'm allowed I do like elbows, uh, a man elbow or something. Yeah. Right on. Well, hey, Todd, uh, thanks again so much, dude. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk with you soon, dude. Good luck, and uh, you guys be safe, your whole family. No, thank you to you. It's an honor to be a part of this and love what you guys are doing out there. And, uh, yeah, God bless you dude, guys. Dude, hey, uh, and as always, I forget to do this, but anyone you want to thank before we uh, we let you roll? Any sponsors or anything like that? Uh, I mean, I'd love, you know, basically anybody who uh, who is supporting me right now, um, you know, during these challenging times, I, I appreciate it. And, and I th- thank all my is that you? I have no idea. Well, uh, I, I found a good way to end this awkwardly. So, <laughs> well, well, I was say maybe it's one. I want you to acknowledge them. They're watching real time, and they're like, "I need to mention me." So, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I've been fortunate. It goes back to the whole marketing thing. I've been fortunate to get some non-endemic sponsors, and and really want to thank them. You know, because at the end of the day. Uh, you know, hopefully I'm able to move the needle for them, but, you know, Sterling Building Group, which is based back in the Carolinas, um, you know, Frank Motors, uh, Toyota, you know, I'm stoked to be driving, you know, driving a new Tundra, which uh, is awesome. It's an amazing tow vehicle. Agreed. And what's that? Agreed, man. I've got one, too. And, uh, yeah, actually, I'm pretty stoked. I get some Toyota bonus bucks out of that last FLW. Yeah, time. nice, dude. Paying off already. Heck, yeah. Pretty yeah, pretty sick. And then, uh, you know, Igloo, I actually do some work for Igloo and Electric Sunglasses uh, for their fishing, which uh, is pretty, it has been really awesome because Igloo's been around since the 40s. But to see what they're doing now to make changes in their products to kind of uh, minimize their footprint, they've just come out with a 100% biodegradable cooler to replace those little styrofoam ones that cool, all the spring dude. breakers all the spring breakers are throwing into Havasu right now. Hopefully they can make, make those adjustments. But um yeah, literally, it's 100% biodegradable. They've also 
Uh, I attended a recent meeting and they they're coming out with a new foam that's going to be the, you know, hopefully the standard for that industry in the future to, again, minimize the footprint that, you know, the insulation that goes in those coolers uh, for many years has not been good for the environment. And they have made some major adjustments. They've committed a lot of money to, um, again, make make adjustments to be eco friendly. And then uh, also another non endemic that I'm working with is uh, Earthpack and they do all the packaging for a lot of the uh, surf shops but they all all repurposed um plastic bags and uh boxes etc again helping to minimize that footprint and so for me outside of you know just having great products with all the brands that i represent um it's it's really important to me growing up around the ocean as well as on the lakes now fishing to see those brands that don't mind spending a little bit of additional money to do the right thing to you know, make sure that my kid and your kid can enjoy what we enjoy today and maybe even make it better, you know? So, um, you know, there's, there's a long list of sponsors, you know, uh, I'd like to encourage it, you know, anybody that's listening that might be interested in a guide trip to, uh, check out my website, toddkleinfishing.com. All my sponsors are listed there, but off the top of my head, those are just a couple that I really want to kind of shout out for, for doing the right thing, uh, you know, on, on the, um, you know, to, to, to give back and, and just minimize their footprint. Right Sweet, man. That's cool. That's, where can people go to find more about you, man? You said you got a website. You on Instagram, Facebook, all that? Uh, yeah, on, on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is uh, Todd O'Krine. Um, my, my real name, Todd Klein, would pull it up. But O'Krine, it's just because cool. I, have, I have an extensive background in Japan. Um, I love the Japanese <laughs> I lo- I Jap- culture, but that's kind of where I made my, my surfing career. I used to uh, do a lot of, of contests over there. And uh, so that's how they pronounce my name. And so that's that's what I just decided to for, for uh, my Instagram. <clears throat> and then, yeah, my website, once again, it's it's uh, toddkleinfishing.com. So perfect. Yeah, again, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. And uh, all the best to you guys and, and be safe. Right on. And hey, <laughs> listeners out there, that is how you shout your sponsors out. I took some notes on that one, too. Very well done, dude. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, Todd. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, look forward to talking to you soon, man. Thanks very much. All right, guys. Take care. See you. See you. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. We had a great chat with Todd, and we really appreciate him jumping on with us. As mentioned in the show, we're going to do our very best to bring you guys two shows a week until the MLF season starts back up. Uh, we hope you're hanging in there during these difficult times, and uh, we'll get this thing, we'll get through this thing together, and uh, we're going to fish through it as much as we can. Have a great one, guys, and we'll talk to you guys in a few days.